Hey, good morning. Uh, I love that it's fifth Sunday and that we have our uh, Spanish brothers and sisters, hermanos y hermanas, Latino. Is that right at all? Yeah, okay. Where's my Spanish people? Come on, give us some love. Yeah. Very good. Yeah, okay, good. Well, I got a, I got a joke for you this morning. You want a joke? Oh, wait, I, I said that wrong. Here, ¿Quieren escuchar una broma? You see, there we go. That's what I got. Ready? ¿Qué hace un pez? Now you're supposed to say K back. Everybody say K. K. Nada. No, okay. That kills in Spanish. I don't know what happened in English, but... Uh, yeah, I, we're so glad you're worshiping with us. I love singing in Spanish and, and uh, just knowing that we're, we serve a global God. Hey, this morning I'm going to start with something that crosses borders and boundaries. McDonald's. How many people love McDonald's out there? Give me a... No, look at you people. You, uh, none of you want to admit it, right? It's like you're admitting to supporting dog fighting or something like that. Like, I don't know. I don't go to McDonald's. I don't know what you're talking about here, right? Nobody admits going to McDonald's, right? But you got to do the math here, right? They sell like 11 billion hamburgers. There's only like 300 million of us. That means, I'm no calculus teacher, but somebody's lying. You, you go to McDonald's, don't you? Uh-huh. Uh, when we all know better, right? We shouldn't eat at McDonald's, right? We, we know better. We've seen the, read the articles. We've seen the, the, uh, the documentaries. You've seen Super Size Me, everybody. You know what I'm talking about here, right? You're, it's all high in fat, high in calories. We, should, we don't even know where the beef comes from. That's disgusting. I'll have a Big Mac, a large fry, and a five-gallon bucket of Diet Coke. Am I right? Am I the only one? Yeah, sure, I'm the only one. do 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 I'm loving it. Uh, McDonald's, McDonald's French fries are the greatest. Can I get an amen out of anyone? Yeah. McDonald's French fries are incredible as long as they are hot. Am I right? Like they are the best fries on the planet for about seven minutes. After about seven minutes, McDonald's fries turn into something that's likely not biodegradable. Do you know what I'm saying? Has anybody ever tried to reheat McDonald's fries in the microwave? It's the worst, right? Be, they become styrofoam packing peanuts. I don't know what happens, but molecularly, that's sort of what goes on, right? But they kill us at McDonald's. They get you with the deals. Does anybody know what I'm talking about here? Like, they'll say one breakfast sandwich is $3.89, but you can get two for $4, right? And so I'm like, well, I don't want to lose money on this deal, so I'll have eight, I guess, you know? And, and we just keep ordering McDonald's, right? Now, Here's the important part, right? How many people remember the old McDonald's? I'm talking about 70s and 80s McDonald's, right? Not new McDonald's, right? The one that came with the psychotic mascot. How many people know what I'm talking about? Ronald McDonald is the scariest thing you've ever seen. Am I right? If Ronald McDonald showed up in your room as a kid, you would jump out a second-story window to get away from Ronald McDonald. Am I right? Ronald McDonald's is terrifying, right? Um, but the old McDonald's was different than today's McDonald's. Now, if you're a little bit older, you will know exactly what I'm talking about. I want to make sure we get this. You'll probably remember this. To all beef patties, special sauce, lettuce. And they say marketing doesn't work, huh? We all know it. To all be petty, special sauce, lettuce, cheese, chickles, onions on a sesame seed bun. That was the Big Mac. That's the Big Mac right there. That was the thing for the Big Mac. 
So if you ordered a Big Mac, you were going to get two all-beef patties, special sauce, lettuce, cheese, pickles, onions on a sesame seed bun. That's what you were going to get. You were going to get it every time. But if you walked into McDonald's in the old days and said, I'll have a Big Mac with no pickles or no onions, they would look back at you like, what? Because they were already made. You know what I'm talking about? How many people know what I'm talking about? They were in a metal chute that came out of... Do you know what I'm talking about? There was a heat lamp there. There was eight or 12 of them lined up back there. And when you ordered a Big Mac, they literally reached behind them, grabbed the Big Mac, and threw it on the tray, and you walked away from there. You had it that fast, right? They didn't do no onions. They didn't do no pickles. They didn't do... If you're under the age of 30, you're right now, you're thinking to yourself, what kind of messed up world was this that you lived in? Uh, it's, it, but that's the way it worked. Um, and then another burger company came in and decided that they were going to change things. They were going to change everything, right? They were going to make it so that you could change things if you wanted to. If you went to McDonald's and said, no onions, no pickles, they would say, get out. If you went to this place, they said, here, in fact, this was their, this was their line. They said, have it your way. They said, hold the pickle, hold the lettuce, special orders, don't upset us. What? It was like game changing. It was Burger King that came in and they changed everything about that, right? Burger King made the customer king. And they said, the customer's always right. Now, if you're, if you're a young person now, we've gone even a next step. How many people have gone to Chipotle you know what I'm talking about Chipotle? You stand on the opposite side of the glass and you walk along with the person as they make their burrito in front of you and you tell them exactly what you want. They put some meat on there and you're like, well, you're being stingy with the meat, aren't you? And they give you a little more meat and you walk over and you go, no, no, no tomatoes. And you go, yes, black or pinto, oh, black meat. And they make your burrito. I don't even think we need the employees at Chipotle. Am I wrong? Just let me back there. I'll make my burrito, right? It's the same at like a pizza joint, like smack pie or something like that. And you get it exactly the way you want it. It's all about me. It's exactly what I want. Now, we are all about getting it our way, aren't we? I mean, we're all about wanting it our way. We live in a consumer-minded society. It's all about me. It's about what I want, when I want it, how I want it. I want to have it my way, serve me, and serve me now. Which messes with you when you start to think about what Jesus said. Listen to the scriptures. Matthew 20, 28 says this. For even the Son of Man came not to be what? serve but to what serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many today we're going to look at this idea that you were made to serve you were made to serve not to be served you were made to serve and jesus said it himself here's the first point if you got your notes grab them follow along with me I'd love for you to stick along as we look to the scriptures we were made to be contributors not consumers We were made to be contributors, not consumers. By nature, we are consumers. Amen? I I, I mean, this is how we live. In our society today, it is one click, buy now, next day shipping. Now you don't even have to swipe or put your credit card in the thing. You just tap it on there, and it's like, give it to me, give it to me, give it to me. Like, I get it right now. That's, That's how we are, and they just hand stuff to you. In fact, it's actually crazy to me. If you have a smart speaker at home... You can literally just, with the sound of your voice, go, Hey Alexa, order more paper towels. 
And next day, a box will show up on your porch that has the paper towels. By the way, if you're watching online, I just ordered paper towels for you. I apologize. Hey, Alexa, cancel that order. Good, okay. But it's that fast, right? We get exactly what we want because we are used to being consumers, right? And especially in America, especially in America, we are by nature and by culture, we are consumers and we want to be served. But Jesus said, I came not to be served, but to serve. Now, this consumerism has bled into the church. And it's bled over into the church. And we hear it all the time in the church world, right? We hear people say, I'm church shopping. Have you heard that? I'm church shopping. And, and this is a term we use. We're church shopping. We visited 14 churches, but we can't seem to find a good church. We, we, we can't find a church we like. We, we just can't find a church that meets our needs. Do you hear how upside down that is to what Jesus says? Like this idea, I can't find a church that meets our needs? Because you are made not to be a spiritual consumer. You are made to be a spiritual contributor. And Jesus has called us to serve, not to be served. In, in the most famous opening line of a book that I can ever remember, Rick Warren's Purpose Driven Life just started the book with this. It's not about you. It's not about you. It's really not about you. We think this whole world, this whole life, this whole, everything should be about us. It's not about you. That's just the mic drop moment right there. Church is a place where we are to gather together to serve each other, to serve together, and to serve a lost and broken world. That's what God has called us to do. It's not about you. It's not about you. Listen to the words of Paul. We're going to jump into some scripture this morning. Listen to the words of Paul writing to his church from prison. This is a church he planted. And he's saying basically as your pastor, you want to make me happy? You want to make me happy? It's not about you. Think of others. Serve others. Consider others. Listen to what it says in Philippians 2. Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Any comfort from his love? Any fellowship together in the spirit? Are your hearts tender and what? compassionate, then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and what else? Working together with one mind and one purpose. Don't be what? Don't try to be what? Be humble and thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out for your own interest, but take an interest in who? Others too. It's not about you. He's saying it's not about you. you got to serve others. Do me a favor. Look at the person next to you in the row and say, you matter. You matter. Say, you matter. He said, look at the person next to you and say, you're better than me. Yeah, some of you can't even do that, right? You're like, you're not better than me. Look at the person on the other side. Maybe they're better than you. But that's what he's saying. He's saying we need to look at other people and think they're better than me. Uh, you, and... and Jesus came to serve, not to be served. And we should too. Let me ask you a question. If you walked into church today and your kids went running out the back doors just a little while ago, can I tell you right now your kids are being served? You're being served. Right now by a group of volunteers who are out there who are caring for your children, they're watching your children. For some of you, this is the only hour a week you get away from your children, I know. But, but they're watching, they're building into those kids' lives. They are teaching them to know about Jesus and grow in Jesus. There are people right now that are serving you in this moment. 
Many of you, you walked in here, you sat down on a chair that you didn't buy, and you didn't set up, and you didn't vacuum that aisle way that came in and out, but you walked right in and thought, Is it, I hope it's good today. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? Uh, there, there's, there's people that, that, that practice ahead of time and they, all these instruments, they don't just magically appear. They have to get set up and connected and, and musicians have to practice and singers practice all this to bring you some joy through music and they're serving you when they do that, right? That's how it works. But you so far have been consuming and don't get me wrong, I'm not gonna bag on you for that but I want you to understand if you've never served anywhere, if, you've, if you haven't been serving somewhere in the church, if you haven't been giving or tithing, then maybe you're more of a consumer than a contributor. And that's okay, but at some point you've got to turn the corner and become a contributor to what God is asking us to do as a church. Now, some of you are big-time contributors. Like, I watch the way that you serve and the way that you give here. So many people show up early and they stay late and you help make events happen here at, at First Baptist. And every time FBC is doing something, you are here and you are helping. So many of you are all in, man. You're in a thousand percent. When there's a short-term mission trip, you go. When there's serving in kids ministry, it seems like every Wednesday night when I see Tim right before kids groups, he says three of them called in sick. I got to figure something out. If you want to be a servant, call Tim Nielsen on Wednesday afternoon. Say, bro, what do you need? Uh, because it, there's so many people that are totally contributing and they are jumping in, but they are doing all those things. You're in a community group. You're giving financially. You hear about Advent conspiracy and you think, how can I give even more? You're praying for the ministry of FBC and you're bringing people to church in special events. You are big time contributors. I get it. But you know what I'm about to already tell you. We need to understand that God has you here for a reason. You are not sitting here by accident. You are not a part of this church by accident. God needs you to serve in your giftedness, to be a contributor, not a consumer. We can't do what God has called us to do together as a church if you don't use your gifts. And you have been given gifts, and you have talents and abilities that God needs to make his church all that it can be. And you were made to be a contributor here. Let me show you a couple ways that we do that. Ready? First of all, we serve, we were made to serve in his church. We were made to serve in his church. Romans chapter 12 says this. In his grace, God has given us what? Oh, you can't see it yet. Romans chapter 12, verse 6. There we go. In his grace, God has given us what? Different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, what? Speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, do what? Serve them well. If you are a teacher, what? If your gift is to encourage others, be what? If it is giving, give how? Generously. And if God has given you leadership ability, take that responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, then what? Do it gladly. You know, there are all these spiritual gifts tests that are out there in the world. You can Google that. You can look online. You can find them in apps. Uh, all that kind of stuff. In this particular passage in Romans chapter 12, we see seven different gifts listed here. There's prophecy, serving, teaching, encouraging, giving, and leadership. 
And you know, in the Bible, there are like six different major passages where spiritual gifts are sort of addressed. And, and every one of those passages has a little different list of spiritual gifts. Some of the gifts are mentioned more than once. They reappear. Some of them are new and only mentioned in one or two of the passages. And, and the reason why that is, or at least the reason I think it's why it is, this is my opinion, is I just think that God didn't intend to give us one master list of spiritual gifts. I think God is so creative, I think that God is so powerful that he can give a gift whenever he wants to and he can invent a new one if he needs to. And he says, this church really needs the gift of this, so I'm going to give it to this person who is supposed to serve in his giftedness. And so I think he's giving new gifts all the time to the church to meet the needs of the church. And all of you have a spiritual gift. When you become a believer in Jesus Christ, you are given a spiritual gift. But you also have some natural talents and abilities, things that you're good at, that you were born good at, that you're like, well, I'm good with numbers or spreadsheets or I am good talking to people or up front or whatever it is. And many of you even have natural skills that you have honed over a lifetime of working and being in situations where God has made you better and better at these things. He put all of that together in you to serve in his church and, and to serve his church. And here's the thing, what we really want for you when you serve here at church is that you serve where you are gifted, that God would use all of that spiritual gifting and natural abilities and learned talents and that you would use them all together to make a difference somewhere here at church and to serve others and to serve the kingdom of God that way. But there are times where we just need a warm body. Do you know what I'm talking about here? That God just needs to use you where there's a need right at this moment. Like, there's a need and you can do it. When you walk around First Baptist Church and you see something and you say, well, that needs to be fixed. Somebody should do something about that. That somebody is you. It's you. God's making it available to you. I heard somebody say one time, I can tell you your spiritual gift in 20 seconds. Here's how you can find your spiritual gift. Ready? Walk into a room. Look around. See what needs to be done that no one else sees that you would like to do and do it. Walk into a room, look around, go, you know what's messed up here? You know what needs to be fixed? You know what needs to be done that nobody's doing? And and you see what needs to be done that maybe nobody else even sees. You're like, Pastor Steve, somebody should do something about that. And I'm like, I didn't even know that needed to be done. But, But you see it. You're supposed to be the one who does it. That's your gift. It's your calling. And God is calling you to do that. So when you walk around here and you see something like that, something that needs to be done, I want to encourage you in this idea. Ready? Be an owner, not an employee. Be an owner, not an employee. Did you know that this isn't Glenn Barnes's church? It's not his church. This isn't Steve Newman's church. It's not his church. This isn't my church. This is our church. It's our church. It's, we, we all own it. You are an owner of First... I just made you an owner of First Baptist Church. Congratulations. I was going to have stock certificates printed up, but it took too long. Um, I don't know if you've ever seen this. I see it sometimes walking into... Actually, my grocery store that I went to for many, many years in Elk Grove, Winco Foods. When you walk into Winco Foods, up on the wall in big, giant red letters, it says, we, Winco is an employee-owned company. And then below it, it says, every employee is an owner. And so my, my thing is, act like an owner. Act like an owner. 
Now, I learned this powerfully from my friend David, who owned multiple restaurants that I went to work for right before I came here in between ministry assignments. I went to work for him, and I was a waiter. I was waiting tables, and he really impressed upon me the way that you walk in. When you walk up to the restaurant, you're walking from the parking lot. First of all, you don't park in the parking lot. You park on the next parking lot so that there's more parking spaces for the customers. And when you walk in from that other parking lot and across the street, don't get hit, but go across the street and you walk into the parking lot, here's a waiter may walk into the restaurant and as he's walking in, he may see trash in the parking lot and he walks right by it because he says, that's not my job. That's not my job. Maybe you're walking in and you see the, the sign for the restaurant is flickering, the neon's going out or something, and it's flickering. And if you're a cook, you walk in and you walk in, you think, well, I'm not an electrician. I don't know what, to, that's not my job. That's not my job. Or, or, or maybe you're, you're uh, walking in from the, from the parking lot and you're a, you're a dishwasher, and as you walk in, you look at the front glass door, and as you open it, you think, man, there are smudges all up and down that glass. The hostess really ought to do something about that, because that's not my job. That's not my job. Let me tell you how an owner approaches all of those things. An owner walks in and says, whoa, like there's garbage in the parking lot. It makes my business look trashy. Pick it up. Even if I'm an owner, I'm going to pick it up. Uh, uh, An owner walks in and says, why in the world would you walk by a smudged window when you know that there's Windex and a towel right behind that front counter? Just go grab it, wipe it off and come back. It'll take you exactly 11 seconds to do that. Because it makes our business look good. You may not be able to fix the neon sign outside, but you can notice it and you can say something to somebody so that it gets fixed because it matters how our, my business looks. Because if my business doesn't look good, then I'm not going to have customers. And if I'm not going to have customers, I'm out of business. We are owners of First Baptist Church. And this happens around here, too. I don't know if you people notice this. I don't know if this is just a men's restroom thing or if the women's restroom is. The women, help me out here. Tell me if the women's restroom is like this. Men, I'm not sure why, but when you are done washing your hands and you're putting the paper towels into the basket that is attached to the wall over there, if you miss the basket, pick it up. I run a basketball league, folks. We get the rebound, okay? You know what I mean? You pick it up and you, and you put it back in and you, it takes 30 seconds or it takes eight seconds. It takes two seconds to pick up the extra paper and to put it in and then you just push down like, does anybody else know this? Push down like this and there's enough room for the, does this happen in the women's restroom? Just the men. We're pigs. I got you. I understand. <clears throat> you know why I do that? Because if our bathroom looks trashy, FBC looks trashy. And if FBC looks trashy, then Jesus looks trashy. And Jesus ain't trashy. You know what I'm saying? And so we take an ownership role in these things. And we make a difference because FBC is our church. It's our church. I'm an owner here. And so I care what it looks like. And so are you. Now, we were made to serve in his church. But we also have another special place where we were supposed to serve. We were made to serve as his church as well. We're made to serve as his church as well. Um, In Matthew chapter 5, it says this in verses 14 through 16. It says, you are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed where? On a stand where it gives life to who? Everyone in the house. In the same way, let your... 
good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Not only do we serve in his church, but we serve as his church out there in the world. We're supposed to be a light to a dark world. And you're supposed to make a difference. And we care about people out there, and so we serve them so that they will see our heavenly Father. Listen, you are not saved by your good works. We are saved by faith and grace in Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. But we are not saved by our good works, but we are saved for good works. We are supposed to have those good works be an outpouring of what God has done. We are supposed to be serving in the world to make a difference in the world. We are supposed to be a light to the world. So we serve and we let them see those good deeds. How many people would know that you are different because they see you serving? How many people out in the world would say, why in the world did you just do that for me? Why in the world would you give that to me? I... I have no idea why do you care so much about me? And we serve this lost and broken and hurting world so that they would see this Savior that we know so much. Do people see your heavenly Father because of your acts of service out there? Because you came to serve, not to be served. Now, I see this powerfully on display at this time of year as I am watching Upward Basketball. As I do upward basketball, and and my friend Roman and I do 14, 16-hour days on Thursday and Friday, but we watch a mountain of volunteers come in and out and through the program. I've got hundreds of coaches that are pouring into these little kids' lives, and most of the time, these kids are terrible basketball players, just so you know that. Don't come to upward basketball to watch good basketball. Little Johnny will dribble it off of his knee again and again, and we all go, get it, Johnny. You know, that's, that's what... But coaches are loving those kids as best they can. I watch these coaches. I watch referees who are running up and down the court. Some of them on creaky knees. I'm not going to name names. But they're running up and down the court. And they're getting yelled at by coaches. And I'm like, what are you yelling at him for, you know? Johnny just dribbled it off his knee. Uh, and so they're doing this, and these coaches are just taking it, and they're serving Jesus. I got people in the snack bar that are up to their elbows in nacho cheese, if you've never seen it. Or, or if they're doing a cotton candy. You cannot get cotton candy without getting it all around your arm while you're doing that. And they're serving these families. And I've got volunteers. I've got, I've got high school kids taking score. I've got, I've got Josh doing my game day commissioning. I've got all kinds of people who are out there making it a great environment for these people. Do you know who we're doing that for? We are not doing it for the church. We are doing it for kids outside the church. We are doing it for the families of Lodi because they deserve to be served and because we want them to see Jesus by the effort and enthusiasm that we put into it. That's why we do it. Those upward volunteers, they are not consumers. They are contributors. Contributors to the people out there in the world. And and we have, we we got more and more opportunities coming up. Uh, This work is worship conference thing that we're talking about. Did you know God put you where you work for a reason? That you could serve the people you work with? You're like, Steve, you don't know the people I work with. God put you there to serve them. He, he, he gave you that opportunity to make a difference in their lives, that you are a missionary to those people that you work with. And he said, go serve those people. 
We have this mental health event that Advent Conspiracy is going to fund. April 2nd, we're going to put on a mental health event here for our community. It's going to take a whole host of volunteers to make that thing happen like Upward does. We're going to need greeters, and we're going to need lay counselors who are ready to talk to people. We're going to need people who serve coffee and serve food, and we're going to need people who do video as we video these breakouts and make them available for people. We need event planners. If there's an event planner here that can hear my voice, I'm talking to you. We need you to serve and help us pull off that event because we just we can't do it without everybody serving listen this is the god honest truth i believe that the church is the answer for the world's problems i don't believe the government is going to solve the world's problems I believe that the church, the church of Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit infused in us, out there serving in ways that maybe you haven't even thought of yet, is going to be the answer to cure and a hurting and lost world. That's what I believe. But we cannot do it if we will not serve. <clears throat> Listen to Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4 says this. I love this because it's the outpouring of these, uh, these apostles who were, who were serving together. The, uh, the apostles testified powerfully to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's great blessing was upon who? Them all. There were no needy people among them. I want you to think about that statement. There were no needy people among them because those who owned land or houses would sell them and bring the money to the apostles to give to those in need. The church... And the apostles met every need in the community. They served everywhere they could. They gave everywhere they could. They made every difference that they could. And no one was in need because of them. And the world, the world around them, not the church, the world around them could not help but notice. They had to notice this group of people who were serving. That's what we're after. Here's the point. Ready? This is the point of the whole thing today. The church does not exist for us. The church does not exist for us. We are the church and we exist for the world. We are the church and we exist for the world. That's the point. And that's why we serve. And that's why you were made to serve. Which leads me to... So what, Steve? What do we do with this? How do we live this out? Well, I got a harsh reality for you. If you are living for you, if you are getting up each and every morning and you're just trying to get more... Work harder, achieve more, save up for the next thing, get ready for the next trip. If you're just living to consume more and you can't figure out why you feel empty, that's why. That's why. God made you to serve others. And if you're not serving others, you can expect an empty place in your heart and in your soul. You were made to serve. Now I'm going to say something a little harsh. Are you guys, can we be friends if I say something a little harsh? Here's what I'm going to say. Uh, if you are not serving, it's probably because you don't love people enough. Ouch. If you're not serving, it's probably because you don't love people enough. And you're like, Steve, have you met people? People are annoying. Um, you know, it's funny. The people that you naturally serve, think about the people that you naturally serve. You just serve. You don't think anything about it. You do it all the time. You serve them naturally without being asked, without needing to be acknowledged, without needing to be paid back. The people that when they ask you for something, you say yes immediately. You never say no to them. You just do anything that they ask. When you serve people like that, who are those people? They are the people you love the most in the world. Am I right? You just naturally serve the people you love the most in this world. It's absolutely true. 
What if you just decided right here, right now, with God watching and me talking to you, that you were going to decide to like people? Anybody want to join me? Just decide to like people. I'm going to, how many people like people? Four of you, great. More of you should like people. Let's just decide when you meet somebody new, when you meet somebody new, when you walk up to them and you begin to have a conversation with them, just decide ahead of time, oh, I think I'm going to like you. I think, I think I'm going to like you. You're gonna be, you I, I can tell I'm going to like that one right there. And, and, and just have that attitude about everybody you meet. You say, I can already tell I'm going to like you. Because when you like people, you're ready to serve them. And here's, I'm going to give you a couple of things that you need to do if you're going to be able to serve. I didn't get these in the notes, so write them in the margin. Ready? If you've got a pen, grab it. Keep going. Here we go. The first thing is this. Stop. Stop. You've got to be able to stop if you're going to serve anyone. What you're doing, what you plan to do, what's on your agenda, you have got to have enough margin in your life that you can stop if you're going to serve anyone. You've got to be able to stop. The second thing you've got to be able to do is listen. Listen. You've got to be able to listen to somebody, and I mean really listen to somebody, right? You, you, you Try this with a stranger this week, someone that you would normally just acknowledge and move on. How many people know when you see somebody and you know them and you're like, I know you and we're friends, but I don't have time for you right now, and so this is what we do. We acknowledge them like this. <laughs> that hurt a little bit, actually. I think I almost dislocated something. We go, we go, sup. And then we walk on by. Anybody ever done that? No, huh? Yeah, yeah. Uh, don't give me that head nod. I know what you're talking about right over there. What's up? And we, we walk on by because we're not really ready to listen. We don't have time to listen or we're not going to listen. Let me give you an encouragement. Rather than doing this, stop. Listen. Ask genuinely what's going on. You know that person whose office you walk by every day and you walk by like this? And then you speed past. And then you slow down again. Like, acknowledge them. Listen to them. How's it going? And then pause. And then when they answer that first answer, you know the first answer, which is everything's good, you go, really? And wait and see. Because they will give you some clue as to what's going on in their life. Sometimes it may be very small where they reveal what's actually hurting in their life or what pressure point they have in their life. And you have to be listening if you are going to hear it. And then get this, this is the third thing. You gotta do something. You gotta do something And here's the thing, some problems are massive and big and you can't solve it for them all in one time. I get that, you can't, but you can do something. You can do the first thing, you can do the next thing, you can do something to serve them in that moment without taking on the burden of having to fix their world or fix their problem. You can do something in their world to serve them. In Espanol, un cristiano que no serve, no serve. What that means is, a Christian who doesn't serve is not useful. God wants to use us. Listen to what Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 says. It says, for we are God's what? You're a masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do what? The good things he planned for us long ago. When we stop and we listen and we do something, that's a good thing that God planned for you long ago. You want an opportunity to serve and contribute in his church? Listen up. Our kids' ministry always needs kids' workers. We can use you to minister to those kids that run out of here at the, at the beginning of a service. Our youth ministry always needs people who pour into the lives of young people, of high school and junior high age kids. 
Our prayer team, if nobody's praying for this message, I'm going to be terrible. So somebody's in there praying for our messages and, and praying for all those prayer requests that come in. But I could just go on and on. There's women's Bible study. There's men's Bible studies. There's celebrate recovery. There's mom to mom. There's, you can lead a community group. You can work in the coffee bar. You can do lay counseling. You can be a part of our video team. For some reason, we always need an extra camera operator. I don't know why. But, but if you can do something, you can make a difference in the lives of someone. You want an opportunity to serve as the church out in the world? Upward basketball needs a mountain of volunteers every weekend. We're scrambling. We need referees. Can I get an amen out of the referees in the crowd? Hey, thank you, Roman. Uh, we, we, we need referees. We need snack bar workers. We need everything you could possibly imagine. And we continue to do that every year. And I'm so grateful the way this church steps up. But at the end of the day, we just continue to need people to serve. We're planning short-term mission trips later this year. I love short-term mission trips where you get outside of our North American consumer bubble and you go someplace where you can contribute. It's amazing the things we will do in Mexico that we won't do at home. You, you, we've got to jump out of our budget. We are going to pull off this, this our, out of our comfort zone and do these things. We have this mental health thing in April, this massive event. I, we need you to jump in. We need dozens and dozens and dozens of people to plan and host that event here. Here's the point that was impressed upon me so early in ministry, and I've lived with it ever since. Get this. There is no job beneath me. There is no job beneath me. There are so many things that we do around here that no one will ever see, and I don't care that you never see it, but there is nothing around here if I'm operating as an employee that I won't do to make this a better place. There's no job beneath me, and this is no more clearly illustrated in Scripture than Jesus himself. When Jesus washed his disciples' feet, it says in John chapter 13, after washing their feet, he put on his robe again and sat down and asked, do you understand what I was doing? You call me what? And what else? Teacher and Lord. I want you to get those words. Teacher and Lord. And you're right because that's what I am. You ain't wrong. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to what? Wash each other's feet. I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. I got to tell you, I don't even know truthfully that I can get my head around this moment. I can't describe to you how revolutionary it must have been for Jesus to kneel down, put a towel around his waist, and begin to wash the disciples' feet. Because he was their Lord, and he was their teacher. He had stood in front of thousands and preached. He had healed people, and they had marveled. He had been their rabbi that they hung on every word. And then he got down on his knees and did the dirtiest task you could imagine for someone else. There was no job beneath Jesus Christ. And he said to his disciples, you go and do the same. And I say to you, there's no job beneath me. And there's no job beneath you. I dream of a church where we give more than we receive. I want to see a church where people serve more than they've been, more than they've been served where we love more than even we've been loved, where we are passionate about reaching the next generation, and where everyone uses their gift in the church, and we also use our gifts as the church out in the world, that we are light to the world. Let me tell you something. At the end of this race, at the end of this Christian journey, God doesn't say, well done, my good and faithful 
leader or CEO or influencer or scholar. He says, well done, my good and faithful servant. Let me pray for you. Pray with you. God, I pray that you would continue to embed this in my heart. That I would serve in my gifts and with my talents and abilities. But God, that every moment that I have an opportunity to be a witness for you, that I would find no task beneath me. And that I would serve well. God, help me to take those moments to stop what I'm doing. And to listen to those around me who have hurts and needs. And then to do something to serve them. That it might shine light into a dark world, that it might shine your hope into a dark situation, God, that my service to you and to others might ultimately point them to your son, Jesus Christ, who served like no one else did, who sacrificed like no one else did, who gave his life as a ransom for many, including for me. In your son, Jesus' name we pray. Amen.